Okay, boys. So, this this story is going to be a little bit funny because I'm reading it in two different places. Right now I'm sitting in my hotel room because I've traveled all the way here to America. But I started reading this story to you guys while I was still in the airport in Joburg. So, I love you guys. Enjoy. Okay, you guys. I'm sitting in the airport and um, I'm... <clears throat> gonna try to read one of the chapters now. So, sorry if there's too much other noise around. But I sure do love you guys. And um, here's chapter 7. Sly One, the gnome again. But Fenella didn't come. Nobody peeped out the window. The ribbon rope just hung there, moving slightly in the wind. The children wondered what could be happening. Surely Fenella would know what to do. Oh, Peter, suppose she is tied up and can't get to the window, said Mary suddenly, or she may be ill in bed. I didn't think of that, said Peter, looking upset. Well, there's only one thing to do. I shall climb up the rope myself and see what has happened. I can manage, <clears throat> I can manage to untie Fenella if she is bound, and then together we'll climb down again. The bay boy ran to the rope and and soon began to swarm up. The castle wall was very rough indeed, and he found that he could climb up the wall with his feet and haul on the rope with his hands. It wasn't very difficult. Mary and Popoff watched him, going higher and higher. At last he reached the topmost window and went in. He looked around. There was no one there at all. The room was complete, completely empty except for a strong wooden post to which the ribbon rope was tied. Where was Fenella? Someone must have tied the rope there. Just then, Peter heard a chuckling laugh. He turned and saw, not Fenella, but Sly One the Gnome coming in at the door. What a fright he got. So you thought you'd come and rescue the princess, did you? said the gnome. Well, she isn't here. I've put her somewhere else. Ho, ho, ho. And now I've got you as well. Peter ran to the window, meaning to climb down the rope, but the gnome stopped him. No, no, he said. Let the others come too. I've been watching you all for some time. Quite a clever idea. This rope brought up by a sparrow. Ah, yes, quite clever but not clever enough. The gnome went to the window and shouted loudly, Help! Help! Mary and Popoff heard, as he meant them to do. They thought it was Peter calling them. Without a moment's pause, the two ran to the rope end. They swarmed up the rope just as Peter had done, and panting and puffing reached the topmost window, one below the other. The gnome reached out and hauled them in. Then he stood and laughed until tears came down his wrinkled cheeks. You have walked so nicely into my trap, he said, at last grinning at the sulky children and the angry peddler. Did you think you'd come to rescue Fenella so easily? No, no, you are no match for a gnome like me. Where is Fenella? asked Peter fiercely. Well, seeing you are all going to stay here as my prisoners for some years to come, I don't see what is the matter my telling you. 
what you want to know, said the gnome. She is hidden away in a deep cave under the shining hill, and there's a goblin dog guarding her. Ha ha ha! There's a fine piece of news for you. Think that over for a few hours. The horrid gnome walked out the door and slammed it. He, they heard him slip a great key into the bolts outside and turning it in the big lock. They were prisoners. He had snipped the ribbon rope so that they could not escape out the window. What in the world were they to do? This is dreadful, said Peter, sitting down on the floor, putting his hands, his head in his hands. Just when we thought we were so near Fenella, now she is goodness knows where, and we are prisoners too. I know where Shining Hill is, said the peddler, peddler gloomily, and I've heard of the goblin dog. We could never, never rescue Fenella from him. He can smell people from five miles away, and he never sleeps. And ribbons and buttons? How are we to get away from here? I don't know. All that day, the children and the peddler stayed in the topmost room of the high castle. When evening came, the gnome opened a sort of a hatch in the great door and pushed through a tray, on which were pieces of bread and a jug of water. The three of them ate their miserable meal in silence. Then, then they once again wondered how they might escape. Popoff leaned out of the window and wondered if he could climb down the castle wall. But it was too dangerous to try. We can't get through that great door, and we can't get out the window, he groaned. It's impossible, quite impossible to escape. We must just make up our minds to stay here. The children agreed with him. It was impossible to escape. There were only two ways out of the room, and neither way could they take. They lay down on a mattress and all curled up together for warmth, and soon, tired out with their adventures, they fell asleep. In the morning they awoke feeling more hopeful, but as soon as they had once more looked out the window and felt the strength of the great door, they sighed again and knew that escape was out of the question. The gnome opened the hatch and pushed through a jug of milk and some bread and jam, but he said nothing at all. He seemed to be in a hurry. The children and Popoff ate their breakfast and looked as miserable as could be, if only they had something to do. If only we had a game to play, said Mary. Haven't you any games of cards or snakes and ladders in your tray, Popoff? No, said Popoff. I only sell ribbons and buttons and things. Haven't any marbles, Peter? Surely you may have some in your pocket. I don't think so, said Peter, feeling in pockets for his shorts. Feeling in the pockets of his shorts, he turned out everything he had there. Dirty handkerchief, a long piece of string, a squashed toffee, a pencil, a notebook, and a little round pillbox. What's in the box? said Popoff. I've forgotten, said Peter. He opened the box and stared at a fine purple powder inside, puzzled. Where could it have come from? He had quite forgotten. But Mary knew. She gave a loud scream of joy and made Peter jump so much that he nearly spilt the powder. 
Peter, Peter, don't you remember? It's the box of powder that our mother gave us. She said it might come in useful someday. Oh, Peter, perhaps it will save us. Peter's face brightened up. Of course, but how could the powder help them? He didn't know. He didn't know what it could do or what it was meant to do. Let me look at it, said Popoff Pop -off suddenly. He looked at the powder carefully and then smelt it. Then he tasted a tiny bit and quickly spat it out. I do believe, I, I do believe, he began in great excitement, it's disappearing powder. Whatever do you mean, asked the children astonished. Wait a moment, said the peddler. He took up a little powder and spread it on a sil silver thimble. Then he took it away from his tray. As the children watched, they saw, to their amazement, that the thimble seemed to be crumbling away into thin, fine powder, so fine that when Popoff blew it, it flew into smoke and disappeared before their eyes. There you are. I was right, said Popoff in great delight. It's disappearing powder. It makes things disappear. Well, well, shall we spread it over ourselves and make ourselves disappear then? said Mary. Of course not, said Popoff scornfully. Whatever would be the use of that, we'd vanish completely and never come back. Well, how can we use the powder to help us then? We'll rub it on the great door, said Popoff, grinning joyfully. It will make it disappear, or at any rate, part of it will vanish. A big enough piece to make the hole for us to squeeze through, and we'll be able to escape after all. The children stared at him, their eyes wide with amazement. Of course, how clever Popoff was to think of this, such a thing. What a good thing he happened to be there with them, for they themselves would never have thought of that powder could do such a strange thing like that. We'll wait until the gnome has gone, given us our midday meal said Popoff, planning hard. Then, we th when we think everything is safe, we'll make a hole in the door with purple powder, creep through it, run down the stairs, and find a way of getting out of the tower. But there aren't any doors to it, said Peter. Oh, never mind, said Popoff. We'll find a way once we're out of this horrid little room. Peter put his, the box safely away in his pocket, and then they sat and waited patiently until Sly One came with their dinner. He came at last, thrust the tray through the hatchway in the door, course, chuckled coarsely to see their three pale faces, and disappeared. On the tray were meat sandwiches, three slices of bread, and a big jug of water. The children and Popoff ate hungrily, and then excite, looked excitedly at one another. Was it safe to try the powder? I should think we might try now, said Popoff, said Popoff at last. He took the box from Peter and emptied a little of the powder into his hand and began to rub it on a small piece of the door, rather low down. The children watched, excited. After a while, that part of the door seemed to crumble away, and the three could quite well see through the hole it made. The peddler blew hard, and the crumbling pieces flew into smoke. 
Again, Popoff rubbed more powder on the next piece of door, and again the same thing happened. It crumbled away, and a bigger hole still came. I do hope we have enough powder to make a hole big enough for us to squeeze through, said Peter. Oh, plenty, I should think, said Popoff, blowing away more of the crumbling wood into smoke. He went on with his work, and by the time he had used all the power, powder in the little box, there was a fine big hole in the door. Mary knew that she and Peter could easily squeeze through it, and she hoped that Popoff could too. He was bigger than they were. Now, said Popoff at last, let's get through. But mind, not a scrap of noise. I'll get through first, and you two follow. He began to crawl through the hole. His tray stuck sideways, and he took it off and gave it to Peter to hold. Then he managed to get right through easily. Peter tried, uh, tipped the tray up and just got it through the door, too. Popoff slipped it over his neck again. Peter went next, and then Mary. They stood outside the great door and looked around them in silence. They were on a small landing set with doors like their own. Before them stretched a long, steep flight of stairs, thickly carpeted. Down we go, whispered Popoff, and set off down the stairs. The others followed. Down they went, down, down, down. Would the stairs never come to an end? They passed many, many doors, all of them which were short, shut. Strange noises came from behind some of them, whirring and whining and growling, snorting. The children wondered what was in the rooms and hoped that none of the doors would open as they passed. One door did swing open. Out of the room peeped a large cat with green whiskers. Its eyes opened wise as, wide as it saw the three creeping down the stairs. It was just going to meow loudly when Popoff stepped up to it, raised his fist so fiercely that the cat was quite frightened, <clears throat> and raised his fist so fiercely that the cat, with a frightened squeak, shut the door quickly. Popoff saw a key in the lock, and quickly, as quick as a thought, he turned it and grinned at the others. He won't be able to give the alarm, he whispered. He's safe there for a little while. On and on went the peddler and the children, creeping silently down the endless stairs. And at last they came to a great hall, hung with curtains of all colors. Popoff held out his hand to stop the others and carefully peered round the bend of the stairs to see if anyone was there. Sly One was sitting at the table, eating a good dinner. Popoff stared in dismay. Now what were they to do? He took a look at the thick curtains that hung all around the hall. Perhaps they could hide behind those. He made the children understand by nods and pointing what his idea was. Sly One made a great deal of noise as he ate. He had very bad manners. Popoff thought this was a good thing, as perhaps the noise he made would prevent him from hearing the children creeping behind the curtains. He slipped behind them first, then Mary followed him silently, just as Peter was going to real just as Peter was going to a reel of cotton fell from the pe peddler's tray and dropped on the floor. The gnome stopped eating, cocked his head on one side. What's that? he said aloud. Did I drop something? 
He looked at the floor but could not see. Must have been a mouse, he said, and went on with his dinner. Peter slipped behind the curtains, too, and all three trembled and shook because of their narrow escape. The gnome finished his dinner. He yawned widely, with his arms above his head. Now for a good long nap, he said, and he went to the couch to lie down. First taking off his pointed slippers, he covered himself with a rug and shut his eyes. In a half a minute the children heard long snores almost as loud as the giants had made two nights before. Now's our chance, whispered Popoff, peeping around. We must see if there's a way to get out. This hall is hung all the way around with curtains, said Mary, looking about her. There doesn't seem to be any window at all, and certainly no doors. Unless they are somewhere in the wall behind the curtains, said Popoff. There, there might be a secret hidden door here. After all, the no must get in and out of the castle somehow. So on tiptoe, the children felt all the way around the walls behind the great colored curtains. They came right back to the place where they had started, but not a door was to be seen. It was most disappointing. We haven't any of that disappearing powder left, have we? Mary whispered. We could make a hole through the wall if we had. There's not even a grain, said Popoff. I used it all up, every bit. They stood behind the curtains and looked in dismay at one another. Whatever were they to do? Then Mary's sharp eyes caught sight of something in the middle of the floor. It was a large trapdoor. Look, she whispered in excitement. Isn't that a trapdoor? Couldn't we get through it and escape that way before the gnome wakes up? The others looked at the trapdoor. Yes, it certainly did look like a way of escape. How marvelous! The gnome, still storing, snoring steadily, Popoff thought that there would be. <clears throat> Popoff thought that there would never be a better time to escape than now. We'll risk it, he whispered. Now, not the slightest sound. Remember, they left the shelter of the thick curtains and tiptoed across to the trapdoor. There was a big ring to pull it up. Popoff took hold of it. He tugged. The trapdoor came up easily and lightly. It was plain that it was used very often. Below there was a flight of steps stretching down into the darkness. Popoff won wondered how they would see. He saw a candle and a box of matches lying on the nose's table and tiptoed up to get them. At least they would have a light. Peter went through the trapdoor first and then Mary followed. Popoff was just climbing through when the ribbon that tied his tray around his neck caught on a nail and the tray tipped. A dozen reels and skeins fell through the trapdoor and bounced down the steps. The gnome woke up at once and looked around. Popoff hurried, hurriedly untwisted the ribbon from the nail and looked frightened and took a frightened look at the astonished gnome, and then lowered himself at top speed through the trapdoor. The gnome sprang with a roar of rage and rushed over to him. Popoff pulled the trapdoor with a clang. Then he hung on to it underneath, feeling the gnome pulling for all he was worth. Then Peter lighted the candle, and Popoff saw, to his great delight, that there were two strong bolts underneath the trapdoor. He shot them at once and let go of the hold on the bottom part of the door. The gnome couldn't open it now. 
Quick, we'd better whilst go whilst we have a chance, he said to the children. The gnome may find a way to get through this. He knows he's clever enough, goodness knows. Sly One was beside himself with rage. The children could hear him dancing about on the trapdoor, shouting and yelling his harsh, in his harsh voice. He's saying something about the goblin dog, said Peter. It sounds as if he's saying that it will eat us. Rubbish, said Popoff. The dog is in Shining Hill, far away. The candle, the lit candle gave them enough light to see by as they made their way down the steps and through the dark winding passage. Sometimes the passage opened out into caves and then closed again into a narrow way be between the dark rocks. It was cold and damp, but at any rate they had escaped. That was something to be thankful for. This must lead somewhere, said Popoff hopefully. Perhaps we shall come to a signpost or something soon which will tell us which way we are going. After a while, they did. The signpost stood in a cave and had two arms. One pointed back to where they had come and said to Sly One's castle. The other one pointed forward. And when the children read it, what a shock they got. This is what it said. To the cave of the goblin dog. Buttons and ribbons, said Popoff in a great dismay. Who would have thought of that? That was what the gnome was shouting about, I suppose, saying we would be eaten by the goblin dog. There is no way but these two ways, said Peter. Either we go back to Sly One, or we go forward to the goblin dog. Whatever shall we do? Well... We were going to the Shining Hill to find the dog's cave anyhow, said Mary, so we might as well go on. Fenella's there. That's true, said Peter, but it doesn't sound very nice somehow. Come on, said Popoff suddenly. We're out of the frying pan and into the fire, it seems to me. But, we'll, but we may as well make the best of it and be brave. So into the darkness they went, light the candle... So into the darkness they went, lighted by the yellow flame of their little candle. So that's the end of the chapter. And the next chapter is chapter 8, In the Shining Hill with the Goblin Dog. I love you boys. Hope you sleep really, really well. And uh, we'll have a new story in the morning. I love you. Good night.